Section 35 of Stories Without Tears. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Maria de Fatima da Silva. Stories Without Tears by Barry Payne. Gold. There was once in the Dark Ages a boy of great ambition and solid worth. He did not play the fool and vex his teachers. He was kind to cats. He did not even annoy his papa and mama. When other boys were playing at tournaments, damaging their clothes, and sometimes losing their tempers, he never joined them. He sat patiently at home studying the signs of the zodiac, and the virtues of herbs and simples. He was devoted to study. His brain developed rapidly. At the age of twelve, he had a forehead like the Albert Hall. This made other boys so jealous that they threw things at him, but he did not care because he knew he was doing right. He had great ideas. On the whitewashed wall of his little bedroom, he wrote in large letters, Concentration. I may observe in passing that in the Dark Ages spelling was more a matter of individual taste than it is now. His father saw what his little son had done and took the necessary steps, but he could not help feeling he was spanking a boy with the future. The father was but a poor armourer and suffering severely from the competition of a big cut-price establishment that had just started in the same street. But he managed to scrape together enough money to apprentice his son to an astrologer and general alchemist. The astrologer said frequently and emphatically that he had never had a better or more studious apprentice. Time passed, and our young friend was no longer a boy. He was a youth, and moreover, he was a youth whose roomy cranium and established character for steadiness attracted the attention of the maidens of the district. Girls then were very much as they are now. They would have nothing to say to youths with a certain amount of devil in them, however handsome or however wealthy they might be. What they liked was moral worth and plenty of forehead. So they threw shy glances at our young philosopher, and they asked him to tea. Likewise, they suggested that he should take part in some amateur theatricals. Further, they said Papa would be so glad if he would come over and smoke a pipe with him one night. But the young man would have none of it. Other apprentices suggested that he should take part in games, where, although skill may have been present, chance largely preponderated. But he remained firm. He would not make love. He would not play cards. He would not come out and have a drink. He was wholly devoted to his work. He managed to scrape up enough money, scraping ran a good deal in the family, to take twelve lessons in the art of transmuting the baser metals into gold. It was true that the teacher had not yet discovered the secret himself, 
but there was always a possibility of some useful hints. Nowadays, the guides to success in journalism, finance, and matrimony are almost invariably written by the people who have not attained it. The world has really changed very little. It must not be supposed that the young man's devotion to the study of the great secret prevented him from close attention to his ordinary business. During the whole time of his apprenticeship, he made only one mistake. At the end of his apprenticeship, his master offered him, and he accepted, the post of head of the horoscope department, and still every moment of leisure was given to study. He heard the music, he heard the dance go on, but for him there was to be no rest and no amusement until he had found the secret which would transmute the baser metals into gold. His brain development had now progressed to such an extent that his hats had to be specially built for him. Years passed away and his master died. On his deathbed he called the studious head of the horoscope department to him and imparted the great secret. Our philosopher, now very middle-aged, went straight off to the kitchen to test it and found that it did not work. He countermanded the order for a wreath of everlastings with Miss Parr on it and refused to attend the funeral. After he had been middle-aged for a long period, he became old. Really, in some respects, the world has not changed one little bit. He had never had any love, he had never had any fun, and he had not got the secret. It was very dull, but one must admire his strength of purpose. He went on. The secret came at last when he was a toothless dodgerer, and it came by accident. He sat before his furnace with a biscuit tin, which he had just converted into 22 carat gold. With great care, he wrote out the long and elaborate formula. Then he thought about it. If he had never discovered the secret, it would always have been worth discovering. But now what could it do for him? Pleasure was a closed book, and he had no wants that he had not ample means to satisfy. The discovery had merely stopped his work and spoiled his life. He flung the formula into the furnace and his secret died with him. If this simple story leads any reader to the conviction that the only things worth having are the things we have not got, it will not have been written in vain. End of section 35